The burnout crisis is a workload crisis. Here's a non-exhaustive list of things companies have done to fight the burnout epidemic. Expend mental health benefit. No meeting Fridays. Shut down for a week. Train employees in meditation. No meeting Wednesdays. Organize listening sessions and internal surveys. No meeting Thanksgiving week. Set up nap rooms. Pay people extra to take their annual leave. Open a whole freaking wellness center. Here's what companies haven't done. Expend headcount without expanding projects. Set less ambitious growth targets. Accept lower profit margins. Fighting burnout is far less palatable to corporations and their fiduciaries when you ask them to attack its root cause, unmanageable workloads. A joint systematic analysis by the World Health Organization and International Labor Organization, published just last year, precious because it is truly global in scope, found that nearly half a billion people were exposed to overwork, that's more than 55 hours a week, and three quarters of a million people died from it in 2016 through coronary heart disease and strokes brought on by stress and unhealthy coping mechanisms, say alcohol, poor eating, reduced sleep and exercise, etc. Overwork kills more than malaria and about as much as suicide. Burnout is a feature, not a bug of the knowledge economy. A preamble. I'm about to sound like a dangerous radical, but since my last essay on corporate life saw me labeled a traitor to the working class, I figure on balance, I remain a centrist. And while I write here about what I know, which is white collar burnout in Europe and the US, I must note that the burden of overwork related death and disability is highest, as always, in low and middle income countries. In knowledge economy corporations, mostly made up of butts and seats in front of laptops, people are the largest expense. Mines are the raw material. It's extractive capitalism, and we are the oil field. I'm not being facetious. Amazing things have been built this way. But once such a company has open-planned and hot-desked its real estate to a minimum, made its data centers energy-efficient, and imposed draconian deals on its few suppliers, the only thing left to squeeze to keep operating margins at the level shareholders have come to expect, and that's 40% at Meta, 31% at Alphabet, 41% at Microsoft, 21% at Netflix, the only thing left to squeeze is people. Companies working their staff to exhaustion are simply optimizing their cost structure. They're not going to hire extra people until they know that the current workforce is optimally employed. In their defense, that's really hard to determine. When work is increasingly flexible, when is a meeting taken from home after dinner an unacceptable employer overreach, and when is it a welcome adaptation to family life? We're also just now understanding how little creative work our brains are really capable of in a day, and how much inactivity went unnoticed before in the old eight-hour office or factory day. And in a culture that worships ambition, the only hint executives often get is when workers start tapping out en masse, attrition rates are a fire alarm that goes off far too late. It would stand to reason that companies keep their employees healthy for the long run and spare themselves the incredible expense of rehiring and onboarding. But with median tenure in a job around four years in the US and five in the UK anyway, less in in in-demand industries, There's little incentive to preserve employees' health for their next gig. Let them take unpaid sabbaticals between employers. Besides, when has capitalism ever been good at prioritizing long-term sustainability over short-term profitability? Burnout is not just a workload issue, but it is a workload issue. 
Mental health professionals tell us again and again, burnout is not just a workload issue. It's true. The mass-like burnout inventory identifies six factors, workload, control, reward, community, fairness, and values. But it seems many companies heard, you don't need to worry about workload at all. Burnout results from chronic workplace stress that has not been successfully managed. That's the World Health Organization definition. It shows up as exhaustion, increased mental distance from your job or feeling negative or cynical about it, and reduced professional efficacy. It's about being overworked and not feeling in control and struggling to find meaning in it. You know what doesn't help with that? Working till two in the morning, having your plate so full that you're always reacting to events instead of setting the agenda for your day, being offered unlimited time off, then never being able to take any of it because you don't want to offload on your exhausted colleagues, finding your workload creep up and up as every idea you suggest gets enthusiastically approved without headcount attached, and then being lectured by some wellness guru, work smarter, not harder. Self-help solutions focused on the suffering individual can provide short-term relief, but they displace responsibility for what is fundamentally a systemic issue. You can't hire a bunch of type A professionals, set impossible targets for them, compensate them on results, and then tell them it's on them to speak up when it's too much. It's especially pernicious since we know burnout can destroy an individual's ambition, self-worth, and sense of agency. Burnout lies to you. It tells you you're incompetent. It tells you you don't deserve to burn out. It tells you your inability to cope is a personal failure. Everyone else is fine, aren't they? Then HR comes in with a self-care program and it tells you the same thing. The problem is you. The problem is not you. Competent people burn out. Great managers burn out. People even burn out in friendly companies with exceptional bosses and rewarding work. Just ask me. The pandemic has of course only made it worse and surfaced what was long simmering. In a 30-country workforce survey in 2021, Microsoft found that 54% of respondents felt overworked and 39% plain exhausted. It's not just an impression. Looking at big data from their enterprise software, Microsoft noticed that meeting hours had more than doubled since February 2020. 40 billion more emails were sent, and the average user sent 45% more Teams instant messages. But everyone still replies in under five minutes. Meanwhile, demand for an ever more empathetic management style is burning out team leaders and HR professionals. And while some resign in record numbers, I'm sure you've heard of their great resignation, those left behind are at even greater risk. We must and can afford to do something about this. Burnout kills. It also changes the brain. It reduces cognitive capacity, impairs social function, and alters memory. It was only in researching this essay that I understood why my brain felt so alien for so long. The recovery I thought would take a couple months really took two years, and I beat myself up over it endlessly. That was the burnout brain lying to me, too. The way we are working right now is depleting our collective human potential, just as it is depleting our planet. We're going to have to address this as a global culture and economy, and we can afford it. Such radical anti-business publications as Bloomberg and the Wall Street Journal pointed out that for all the complaints about the rising cost of labor and materials, business is doing incredibly well. U.S. corporations recently racked up their fattest profits since the 1950s. ArcelorMittal, just for an example, made more money in 2021 than in the past 13 years combined, while tech giants net earnings, not revenue, higher than most countries' GDP. 
even in more state Europe, average corporate profit margins will reach in 2022 their pre-2008 levels. And while labor's share of value added by the U.S. economy is slowly creeping up, it is nowhere near the levels at any point between World War II and my high school graduation. That's 2003, if you must know. It's hard to overstate how well business is doing right now, but promises to embrace a fairer kind of capitalism remain empty. Corporations will have to do their part, and that means putting real money behind supporting workers, and our search for solutions must go much deeper than it has so far. You know what I've never heard a burnt-out person say? If only my boss would buy me a Headspace subscription. <laughs>